Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight-Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now host of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. We are back today. Yay! For another podcast. I am so, so grateful to have in the studio with me today, Miss Shanti Das. You know, I don't even know where to start in terms <laughs> of, of, of introducing you, just the legacy that you have in working with music specifically. Mm, you know, you. here, I know you've worked with everyone from Outkast to Usher to you name it, you know, coming through the ranks as a woman in the music industry um, is amazing. But, you know, it's hard for me because when I have friends in the studio, I know they're all amazing and just have done so many amazeball things, but I see them as my friend. You know, I see the Shanti Das who has her, you know, her food drive every year um, that she does and her giving back to the community. Um, and I feel that that's so, so very important. And, you know, you can expand. I'll give you time. I know Aww. you have your books from, you know, <laughs> you have so many things that it's hard to pinpoint, you know, um, every, all of the things that you oh, do. Thank but you. thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. I just want to say to you, um, I guess it's going on maybe three or four years now that we've really kind of been yeah. in each other's presence and... I just appreciate your humility and the type of person that you are. Obviously, I grew up watching you <laughs> and, you know, was a fan from afar. But once I got to know you and know the woman and your spirit, uh, I just think you're a blessing. And the way that you came right on board and supported me in my charitable efforts really means a lot. So I just want to say thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all that you, you know, Shanti actually also for my nonprofit, Cam Kizzy, the hip hop professional, um, 2.0. It's yep. all a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, whole, yes, yes. She, um, our book, her book, we highlighted last year at our camp and my girls loved it, Aww. loved it, loved it, loved it. And I just love everything that you do. And, and the reason I had you in today, because I feel like, you know, in our culture and in society, we've lost something. We have. You know, as African-Americans and just in general as artists, mm-hmm. um, whether it was an actor or a poet, you know, all the way back from Langston Hughes sure. to, you know, rappers, singers, jazz musicians, entertainers in every facet, we have always so much been to the forefront of political and social change. Absolutely. And I feel like nowadays, you know, a lot of the young artists don't understand their responsibility and don't understand that you're given this platform to do something great with, to use your voice, to be a voice for the voice and to shine light on the injustices that are of society. Mm -hmm. And I actually, 
I watched, um, I probably, I always joke because my friends are like, are you really black? Because why did it take you so long to see straight out of Compton? <laughs> Personally, I wanted to oh, wait until it wasn't <laughs> packed in the theater. I yeah. like to go experience the movie. I don't sure. want nobody talking, yelling, screaming back at the movie. <laughs> like, I would like to go enjoy it and really be able to right. absorb it. So I went, and it was funny, I went on like a really odd time with me and my girlfriend. We were so special. <laughs> yes, we were the epitome of ethnic. We went to Popeye's, and no. yes, we did. did you bring it in? We brought our food. I brought this bag right here. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know you're Bougetto when you put Popeye's in a Birkin bag. Hello. So um, we, yeah, we did. We went, because I knew it was a longer movie, and we, and we were like probably the only people, maybe two other people were in the theater. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it amazing, though? No, straight out of Compton was absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of just the experience of my childhood. And I remember the first time that I heard NWA Mm -hmm. and it was while I was on the Cosby show and I'll never forget Tempest had a Walkman. I'm telling my age, (laughs) a Walkman. And she was just like going around. She was around the studio, just dancing and kicking Uh it and getting it. And I was like, you know, I was a little sister. So I'm like, what are you listening to? I want to hear, I want to hear. She was like, no, 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 no. You can't hear, you can't hear. (laughs) And so then finally, I guess I wore her down. I'm like, no, like for real, can I please listen? I promise. She's like, okay, you can't say anything. Don't get me in trouble kind of thing. So I'm like, you know, I'm not going to tell. Just let me hear. So I'll never forget the first time she... Put, let me put her Walkman on. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, I remember just where we were on the set at the Cosby Show set where the stairs come down mm-hmm. into the main living room backstage. We were right at the top of that. And, you know, I feel like my world was like changed forever mm-hmm. because that was that that was the time for me when I was falling in love with hip hop, sure. whether it was, you know, Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest, Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I love the most is that they were talking about something. Right. And that's the difference, right? Because I think people would sometimes say, oh, how can you listen to that music or that type of music with the explicit lyrics? But the rawness and the authenticity of it, and because of how they spoke to what they saw in the neighborhoods and our communities, that was what was so powerful. Absolutely. And, you know, people didn't realize that they were sharing their experience. Correct. And through sharing their experience, they shed light to a whole segment of the world who didn't recognize that this was happening. Mm -hmm. So therefore, because they didn't know the police brutality, they didn't know the drugs firsthand, they didn't know, you know, that families were being torn apart, the epidemic of, you know, incarceration and all of these things, because they didn't know about it, therefore it didn't affect them. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing, you know, if you don't know better, you don't do better. Right. But here we are 27 years later, and we're seeing a lot of the same issues plaguing our communities. Well, I actually have someone who's going to join us real quick, Shanti. Um, he's a really great friend of mine, and he's like my little brother. Um, I know they, they're grown now with like kids and married, so but they're always going to be my little brother. So, Kenneth Whalem the third. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Hello. And for those of hey. you who aren't familiar, Kenneth is an amazingly talented jazz musician. Um, he's won Grammys with everyone. Was it from like Jay Z to who? What other, what other Grammys did you win? Maxwell. Maxwell. Um, yeah. He's worked with you name them. He's worked with them, and from Ludacris to Maxwell to to, to everybody. Um, he comes from a family legacy of musicians, with his uncle being Kurt Whalum, but. None of that is, again, why he's my friend. He's my friend, A, because he went to Morehouse with my brother, JP. And so they used to throw parties at my house when I go out of town. Wow. Unbeknownst to me. Uh Uh-huh. 
but more than that, just the man that he's become and how even though he understands the importance of paying it forward and using his platform that he's been given to, to you know, to do something good with it. So welcome, Kenneth. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. You know I love you to death. Time out. Don't give me the professional voice. You you just need to be regular. (laughs) No, I'm going to be regular. I'm going to be regular. You know I love you to death. I had to get around to the party um, topic, and you you knew those parties were going on. That was just my next thing. No, I did not. I knew my neighbors called me, and they were like, you showed their cars all the way down the street. We never got arrested. We never did. You know, we, we actually treated your house house with a lot of respect and we did our thing their their form of treating my house with, with, with respect would be to take my pictures down and hide them in drawers <laughs> and then invite every Wait, that wasn't that had nothing to do with me oh, okay you, you're not gonna claim that one <laughs> no, no, no. we had a good time it was killing we've we had all a great been there time. right all been there but so, thank you so you know i'm interested with you kenneth and you come from a family that is very much politically aware and, and active with your dad, you know, not only being a pastor, but also, you know, running for office in Memphis and right, you know, right. all of that. So was this in terms of your and then like following you on Instagram, but it, I'm just speaking from a standpoint of someone who doesn't know you. I know you. So we've had these conversations. What mm-hmm. sparked in you that sense of of, of paying it forward and being a voice for the voiceless and using your platform for something bigger than yourself? Um, well, I think that growing up and having my, my father there and my granddad there as, and many other people around just, you know, when I was, when I was a kid and just throughout my life that were more than just, you know, it, it was all about, it was normally about service. You know, um, my dad's a pastor. My granddad's a past was a pastor when he was living, and uh, I mean, even further than that, they were community leaders. You know, um, so even though they did their best to provide for my brothers and I, you know, the best life that we could have, we were also never, uh, you know, too far away from the inner city. You know what I mean? We right. were always that's where. So I feel like that's just where the balance comes comes from. You know what I mean? As far as how I am, you know, I can't get too far away from just normal things, you know what I'm saying? And, and the people that are at the heart of the community. So I think that's really where it started, you know, and later, and now I'm 32 and I've seen some sort of success, you know, uh, or perceived success. And I kind of even more so now just notice, you know, my heartstrings get pulled even more so, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, because I see how much of the other side that isn't really genuine and that's not real and that, uh, you know, how much people try to, you know, the things that people try to ignore or turn a blind eye to. So I'm just not really the kind of person to just let things, if something bothers me, I'm going to always say, at right. least voice my opinion, you know what I mean? You know, it's something you said in there. You said perceived success. Mm-hmm. So what exactly, I'm going to ask Shanti, that, I'm going to ask you this too so you can start thinking of your answer. What is success to you? Um, really success to me is being able to spend time with your family. Um, you know, because I've seen lots of money in my account. I've seen a little money in my account. Um, you know, I've been many places, you know, and none of that really equals happiness to me. You know, happiness to me is when I'm able to just chill, you know what I mean? Just be with my family. And of course I know that comes from, 
um, you know, dedicating everything that I'm doing to a cause and, and working hard and stuff like that. But success to me is really being able to get to a point where I can just spend as much time as I want to with my family. You know what I mean? It's being able, I get that, you know, and it's something I always say is don't be so busy making a living that you forget to make a life Mm -hmm. because ultimately it's about, you know, you work this hard to be able to spend it with the people you love. Um, and, and also to, you know, taking it outside of just your family, leaving the world a better place because your children and children's children are going to have to live in it. So what are you doing to ensure that the legacy of your family is protected and not just your family, but everyone's children? So Shanti, yes. On to you. What's success? So I used to think um, the same way as Kenneth. You know, I've seen a lot of money. I've I've held a lot of great positions in the entertainment industry. I lived out of a suitcase for almost 20 years, and I thought success was traveling and all the quote unquote celebrities that I used to hang out with and being a part of their life and them accepting me. And um, you know, my world really changed in 2009 when I moved back home and um, some family members passed. My mom's uh, Shandy's from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, I'm from ATL. And uh, my mother's and dementia. I was in New York City okay. for 10 years. And my mother's dementia turned to full Alzheimer's. And it was just the first time in my life where I felt like something's not right in my spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, something's going on. And I feel like God is trying to send me a message. So I quit and walked away from a really big job. And for the first time in my life, here I am six years later. And I was having this conversation with Sherry Riley, who mm-hmm. I know you know very well um, from Exponential Living. And she says that peace is the new success. Yes. And it absolutely is that for me. My name means peace because my dad was from mm-hmm. India. And so I just got this tattoo on I just my saw arm. that. I was like, oh, that's new. And so every time I feel like I'm having a moment, if you will, I kind of look down and remind myself. Reminder. It is. Your anchor. My anchor is peace and being able to serve and be doing something, you know, greater than myself. And so I wake up every morning and I'm so grateful that I am able to now use my platform to help change the lives of these young adults and to help try to end homelessness, you know, in this city. And I really love to serve. Well, I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break here at um, Candidly Keisha on Play.it. So just stay tuned and we'll have more with Shanti and Kenneth. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. Again, I have Miss Shanti Das here and Kenneth Whalem III. So, you know, we've definitely got into in terms of how you all embrace the the aspect of paying it forward and understanding that your platform is so much greater than just, you know, your bank account or what you can do or your title or your job. So, you know, it's funny because I really feel like the entertainment industry, whether it's been artists, like I said, entertainer, um, actors, musicians, um, rappers on so many different levels, Mm -hmm. even in, even in visual and painting arts, like, you know, back in the day, like me, you know, being born in 79, but very much living through the eighties and like the AIDS epidemic. And like, you'd see different graffiti artists and, you know, other artists that were using whatever medium and talent they had as a form of social protest. Mm -hmm. So you know, and I think it's interesting how nowadays artists get these 
these records or TV shows, like even the Cosby show, it was monumental because it was the first time on television that you saw two successful, a doctor and a lawyer who were African-American, a full family unit, who were successful, who were, it was the first time that, you know, people around the world were able to see themselves in an African-American family and see them as their friend, their sister, their daughter. And people don't understand how big that was and how Mr. Cosby really had to fight to have that on the air. And I remember as a child, you know, going to our table reads and then having meetings after and Mr. Cosby being very, very diligent about fighting to make sure that, you know, the depiction of this family was not only accurate, but positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of people don't realize that entertainment is the U.S.'s biggest export. Mm -hmm. Like, the rest of the world follows our trends, and they believe... They, they they see firsthand in their mind who we are specifically Which is scary right <laughs> because of where we are <laughs> so what you know what is your commentary you can jump in in terms of I feel like now it's the era of like all of our everything is about cat fights you know how many bitches you got or and how know, naked you can how be naked like how many more be. naked selfies can I l- really see every right day? how many cars like, you have come on y'all. Like, I'm so tired of seeing some people's tatas. Yeah, I'm over it. Yes, and, I and the injected people. butts and, you Can know. we talk about just the health ramifications? Oh, my God. Like, go you ahead. Can go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I was watching Botch just last night. Uh-huh. And, it's, you know, Botch is like the show on E! that talks mm-hmm. about, like, plastic, like, fixing bad plastic sure. surgery. And, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the people they fixed last night was she was transgender, but she had had, you know, this obsession we have with the exterior and the superficial. Sure. She had to fix a flat, like, put in her, in her <laughs> booty and in her face and stuff. Like Anna Freeze? No, oh like, I'm serious. And oh she had all these gosh. lumps and bumps and all this craziness. But just, I mean, you, I don't even know where to start. Well, one, I think it stems from what's going on just in society as a whole. It's been a breakdown in the African-American family. I can only speak for my culture, right, and my community right now. And, you know, back in the day, it it took a village, you know, to raise, you know, Back in All the, day, the kids in my day, so and so on the corners, Mama said you did something. It was there okay. Was, there was no questions asked. Right, you were getting a spanking, and you were on punishment. And first of all, you know you can't say anything to anybody's child now, much right. less try to give them some advice. Right. So there's and there's younger people having kids now, right? So it's kids raising kids. So they haven't really been properly socialized and they don't know right from wrong sometimes. And so I have to start right there because I think it's a really you know a serious breakdown going on in our communities. And then it's like free-for-all. Anything in entertainment goes now. We've always been driven by the almighty dollar, but it's a little bit scary now how greed really feeds into our culture now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kenneth. Yeah, Yeah, I I totally, um, I really was about to kind of piggyback off of that. Um, It's really gotten to be, I I was, I don't really watch much TV. I'm not even just saying that. I know that sounds... Maybe like I mean it you know, doesn't because I don't really watch much TV. The TV that I watch, or I like you know me. I like the travel channel mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah, like yeah. Food or good scripted network. shows where yeah. it's just it's pure entertainment. Yeah, exactly. I think that. But just just to give an example, the other day I was uh, at a friend of mine's house and they turned on one of the um, the love and hip hop shows or, or one of those shows. Lord have mercy! And it was literally the every break. Or every switch or switch of scene or whatever it was that they went to was something just equally ridiculous. It went from a strip club to 
you know, um, and I don't necessarily think the strip club is ridiculous. Us, you know, in general, you know what I'm saying. I'm but when saying, that's all that you're seeing, I think yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. problem. Don't understand the disproportionate Correct. amount. You know, back yeah. in the day, and I don't mean to cut you off. You had your choice. There was right. fun. That's there was, was you know, but there also there was a balance. And it's crazy because yeah. you know, earlier this year I was overseas and I took my mom and we had a nice time in London and in Paris. And I love traveling outside of the country mm-hmm. because it gives you such a different perspective. And if one more damn person asked me, oh, you live in Atlanta? Oh. Do you know the housewives? I was like, no. I would just say no. <laughs> I was so upset that that's what they thought. Black women in Atlanta, we all knew each other. We all were the housewives, and we all threw drinks. I was so upset by that. Wow. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's crazy. But you're absolutely right. That's the problem. Back in the day, like for every, you know, bad piece of programming, you had a Cosby show, right? right? Or you had a different world. You had something that was of substance. And even like on the different world, you know, they use current events Mm -hmm. and use those as catalysts for shows and topics. You know, they mirrored what was going on in the world around them because these shows don't exist in a bubble. You know, one show that I I really am proud of is Blackish. I don't know if you yeah, watched that. I do. Um, the first episode was a little tough. I felt like the writers, you know, had some things to work through. But after they ironed out the kinks, I think it's amazing. And they mm-hmm. do just what you're saying. They touch on current events. It's always a moral to the story. At the end of it, it's something fun that the kids can relate to. Um, so we just need more of that type of program to kind of counter what's out there in terms of you know, Absolutely. the craziness. Like, so she, I, I, uh, Go ahead, Kenneth. One more thing I was going to add is that I think another uh, a crucial difference in uh, today as far as times past where it wasn't quite this bad as far as exploitation, I think that now you can be successful and you can be or perceived successful or you can make money or whatever it is or famous around your or circle or whatever it is. You can be that without being talented at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the crazier you act on a lot of these shows, like literally I know – some of these people that are on these shows, you know, and it's the crazier, the crazier you act, the more popular you become. You're you know? rewarded for bad behavior. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's all the producers want. I mean, you, I'm sure you know that. Oh my from goodness. That background. Let, no, 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 no. I come from a very well. Yeah, I don't mean no, no, no. Just in terms of television, in general, in terms of ratings. The difference, though, is I come from the old school. Right. Even though I'm 36, my my tenure, my my mentors, my experience has been the old school method where it is about talent, where it is about substance, where it is about paying it forward because there's no way that I couldn't have come from that and be the person I am today. I see the change that is happening, but this hasn't been... What do you think happened? This hasn't been how it always is. the old school regime of television versus Really because it became about... And my this is just my observation that they recognized that they could... And and the thing is, you can't really hold them completely responsible Mm -hmm. because as a consumer, we wield a lot of power in terms of what we consume. They're only giving us what we're consuming because ultimately that's where they make the money. And we're watching. And we're watching it. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, don't complain about it, but keep watching it because you're telling them I desire more of this. Right. So in back in the day, you know, they found a model. They recognized that, oh, we don't even have to put money into this. We don't have to pay these people. These people just want to be on TV for it nothing. It started with like the real act, world, right? And act a fool. Yeah. The real world was probably one of the first reality shows. But they recognize in terms of a business model that they could spend little to no money compared to what a produced television show, gotcha. a movie cost. 
and turn it around even faster, and the profit margin is astronomical. Mm -hmm. So really it boils down to money. It's not about, you know, a social anything. It's, listen, these companies have looked at the model and say, I can spend $10,000 and make $10 million. And they really aren't, that's really what the bottom line is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really what it is. Well, what can we do to get this young generation, particularly, and you know, I come from, we both come from uh, music industry backgrounds with Kenneth and I, to really just get them to understand that there has to be some substance and balance out there. You know what what I want to do? I think this is a really great place to take a break. And when we come back, I definitely would like to talk about, I feel like kids today, they don't recognize the power that they wield Mm -hmm. and that the people who were making, who were in the civil rights movement, who've been every movement that's changed the course of society and changed the course of politics, they've been the youth. Mm -hmm. They've been that even 15 to 25. And I feel like kids today don't recognize, they're like, oh, that's for those people to do. They don't realize they're here and now, and it's actually now for you to do. So when we come back to to Candidly Keisha, we're gonna take a really, really quick break. We're gonna continue this discussion, so stay tuned. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. I have Shanti and Kenneth with me still. Um, You know, I think it's interesting. We were talking about the younger generation and them not understanding that they've always been kind of the center of, of unrest and kind of bringing, highlighting issues and at the, that, forefront, at the of change. forefront of change. And it's not those people. They've always kind of harnessed because they have this unbridled like optimism and, you know, what box kind of mentality. So I, I know one of my favorite quotes is that no, no well-behaved woman has ever made history or man or man, same thing. <laughs> so is there a funny story that either one of you care to share about you know, a time when you were younger, maybe, and that you took a stance or did something crazy and it turned out, you know, because like when you're younger, your parents sometimes forget. Mm -hmm. And so they may say, you can't do this or you can't do that and blah, 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 blah. And then you do it anyway. So do you have any good stories about your disobedience for a cause? Hmm. Well, maybe not necessarily for a, a cause, but for self-respect for myself. Okay, I, mean, I like I was, that. I was hanging out, and we were at an Ice Cube concert, and this was, and funny, watching Straight Outta Compton reminded me about uh-huh. this. So this was like circa 95, Roxbury in L.A. I'm really short, so I'm in the front, you know, by the stage. And you remember back in the day, guys would scoop you? uh where they would actually take uh-huh. the palm of their hand and grip, you know, your, your exterior. Yeah, your butt. You can say it. <laughs> All right. When? So they would grip your butt. And so this guy did it. And he did it once. And I turned around and I couldn't tell who it was. So it happened a second time. You should have turned around swinging. That's so what I would have done. So I was like, okay, all right. And yeah, here I am trying to be this little reserved girl from the South. The third time, I was like, okay. And I happened to catch who, who it was. was. At the corner of my eye, I turned around and swung on him Good. like Mayweather. And I, I, after that, like this whole big fight erupted in the club. But he was about to punch me. So the entire staff of 92.3 The Beat like grabbed me and ran me out of there. But like enough was enough. Like I could not be disrespected anymore. And the first time, for the first time, I felt like I stood up for myself. I and I showed that. him, like, you can't treat me like that. you got to learn how to respect women. People treat you the way you are. And I don't, I'm not a fighter, but I'm proud of myself for, like, 
punching the crap out of him that I'm day. I'm proud of you because I've done that a couple <laughs> times. But as we digress, <laughs> Kenneth, I know you got some stories. I mean, I've got so many stories, um, but I don't, I don't know that they match. You know what I'm saying? I got a story. I mean, you know, as you know, I, yeah. I actually see you. I've seen you in the past at some of the jobs that I didn't really want to do. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I would like kind of tell you the stuff like that. Um, there was one time where I was going on tour with uh, two artists, and they I was supposed to play with two artists for a, a specific fee. Uh, but one of the artists. It was Jay Z and Mary J, right? And Jay Z, well, I don't, I won't say which, but one artist didn't want to use the other other artist band, so they brought the other band in the next day after the first day of rehearsal. So they wanted me and my the horn section to um to then stay, you know, stay for both different people. We were the only people that were going to play with both artists, right? But they wanted us to do that. That basically doubled our workload, and uh, but for they wanted us to do it for the same amount of money. And, you know, in that situation, you it's hard for you to find people that are going to be like, well, no, you know, I'm not going to do that, or even just say anything. And, you know, I've always considered myself like the one that was willing to go home. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always willing to go to the crib. You know, I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got to have integrity you know, about yeah. yourself because I yeah. get it. Yeah, totally. Well, long, long story short, you know, we ended up being called into a meeting, and they were like, well, you know, are you you know you you gonna have to do it or you know this and that and I literally just you know told them to put me on a flight. They didn't put me on the flight. You know they it came down to that last minute and they gave me the money that I asked for. But I just felt like in that moment I really felt that's like one of my proudest moments because most yeah. people won't say no to going out with Jay Z. You know, but after that I feel like that was like a win a for moment. yeah a defining moment, but not just for me but for other musicians. You know what I mean. It doesn't right. really necessarily, you know, fit into the category of what we're talking about. But no, I, but I mean, that does I, I fit. Let me tell you why. Because had you not made that stance, you said it, that you set the tone for other musicians to follow you so that they were no longer able to bully people into, you know, doing a job for less than deserved pay. And that exactly. happens a lot. Exactly. And it, it starts with one person. And that's the thing that people don't realize. So those that a social movement, movement starts with one. Right. So often people are like, overwhelmed and are like, I want to do this big, huge thing. And I said, you know, when I tell them, I said, it really starts with one. It starts with your actions and the ripple effect that that reverberates throughout the universe is astounding. So, you know, you touch this person who touches two people, who touches those people touch people. And so even though it started with one, it can end up in a movement of millions. Agree. And that's why when I talk to young women, I'm like, it's all about, you know, self-respect. And making sure that you demand that respect. You know, mm-hmm. as a woman, you right. know, within entertainment, it's tough for us out there, right? right? It is. And I think so many of us, we fall victim to these situations and we don't take a stand. And I feel like it's as tough as you allow it to be, though. Absolutely. You know, I'm right. one of those people who I don't really consign to that. Mm-hmm. And like Kenneth, it's like, I'm, I'll, okay, it's if we can't find a happy medium mm-hmm. and if you can't meet these needs, then it's okay. I will go home because right. what I know is what's for me is for me. Absolutely. And this right. This may not be for me, and that's okay. Right. But you know, you set the tone of your worth. You absolutely, wow, yeah, exactly. do. But I never had to deal with that again. I bet you didn't. Good for you. Good job. So let's talk about some of your favorite artists. It doesn't have to be. I know you guys are both in music, so we can start with you know music people who maybe you look up to, or it could be in any genre. It doesn't have to just be um, music. So. 
Shanti, who are some of your all-time favorites? All-times? Wow. Who've inspired you? Uh, one, um, I mean, it's obvious, it would be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I thought at the, the height of his career, I love the fact that Michael always dealt with social issues okay. and things that were going on within the community. Um, you know, poverty, um, homelessness, um, and that sort of thing. And I went to see his um, production in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, the Cirque du Soleil one. And it just reminded me of, of how he was at the forefront of a lot that was going on globally mm-hmm. and not just domestically. And he was always trying to give back and help people. So that would be one. And I think in this day and age, I like the work that Kendrick Lamar is doing because mm-hmm. I think he really is talking about what he's seeing and what's going on in the community. Yeah, I like Kendrick um, Lamar. And even the new Dr. Dre album, Compton, I'm absolutely in love with it. You know, it, it's like one of my favorite rap albums right now. Okay. And it's talking about what we're dealing with and trying to give us a different perspective. So Got it. those are my two right now. Kenneth. Well, and those those two are, de- I definitely love those artists you just named. Um, I've always liked Michael Jackson, especially for that reason. But being a jazz person, too, I love John Coltrane. Yeah. Um, because I just always feel, uh, even, even until the end, I just felt like he put... Uh, the spirit of whatever it is that he was contemplating at the time, you know, above his own personal, you know, even when it got to a point where, you know, it wasn't critically acclaimed or whether, you know, it wasn't generally accepted, I feel like he put, you know, he just had to put his cause before any of his personal, you know, it wasn't even maybe his preference at times, but, you know, I feel like John Coltrane, um, Curtis Mayfield is another favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Um for the same reason, you know, just social causes and just kind of mixing, uh, mixing those issues into his music. And I try to do the same, you know. Got it. And can I just um, add, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kenneth, go ahead. Oh, no, I was finished. I was finished. I was just going to add that, you know, oftentimes we like to see our celebrities and our entertainers publicly telling what they're doing so mm-hmm. that they can inspire others. But if you're out there, you can give back and it doesn't have to be known, right? Because the Absolutely. one that's upstairs, you know, the one that matters most, God is overseeing all that you're doing. And I remember reading how and seeing how Sammy Davis Jr. received a lot of criticism because um, people in his culture thought that he was kind of conforming but and, they didn't know and was siding did. with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. But quietly, he was funding the civil rights movement. Do you know I had the amazing... Op- I love Sammy Davis Jr. So yes. I worked with him on The Cosby Show. Really? And he did so. He did several episodes and his dressing room was right next to mine. Oh, that's he was the kindest man. Like he had a Pac-Man machine in his dressing <laughs> I room. I love it. So, you know, he was my best friend. Of course. And, you know, I was little, so he's this older man, but he was so kind, so genuine, so warm. And I'll never forget it. Like, I loved, love, love Sammy Davis Jr. and Jizzy Gillespie. Those were two yes. of my favorites that we had the opportunity to work with. Wow. You know, as a child, <laughs> watching his face, like, I remember trying to do, because, you know, Jizzy Gillespie <laughs> had those huge cheeks sure. when he played the horn. So, um, you know, I was blessed to be able to be a part of history. And I guess because of my more old school just spirit and soul that I have, you know, for me, it's I do like women who in history have never quite, you know, they've kind of beat to their rhythm of their own drum. They've never been well behaved women (laughs) from Josephine Baker to Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize Maya Angelou, she was this amazing poet, but she had a crazy life. She was a dancer. She was a prostitute for a little while, Mm -hmm. you know, then a poet, then a teacher, then a this. You know, I loved, you know, just how regardless of whatever her circumstances, she took them 
brought them full circle, Mm -hmm. empowered other people with them, and never allowed, you know, even the most dismal of her experiences to define who she was as to define who she was as a woman sure. you know josephine baker and angelina jolie is like i love and adore her i need to meet her i want to work with her i need you to be my mentor angelina if you hear this because <laughs> she's doing so much i love you know the craft and the art and the career but then she has the side of her who is the philanthropist who the is the activist who is the humanitarian who you know is really kind of on her own pro and angelina too she was kind of a wild child yeah you know she did what she did she was like okay this is who i am she's never been even you her know, roles you know she's never been apologetic right. she's never been afraid to be exactly who she is in that moment mm-hmm. granted in this moment she's a wife and a mother and a this but she's enjoyed her life so i feel like that's like there's so much to learn from history Absolutely. like being like i had the opportunity to meet um, Marian Anderson um, oh, wow. when I was little. And that was one of the greatest things about the work that I did on the show that I was on is I had the opportunity to meet greats in history firsthand and experience history firsthand. But do you think this generation appreciates like those that came before them? I think some of them do, but it's not really, I don't think we impress upon our young adults how important it is to go back and really track your history. How do we do that? Like, what are some of the things moving forward that we can do to help inspire? And also, it's meeting people where they are. A lot of times, you know, people want you to be over here, do it this way, but it's about effective, being effective. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things we can do to embrace? Because also, are we as embracing as we could be and need to be of these people, of these youth, of, you know, with the kind of the disconnect? Are we as embracing? I don't think we are. And it's interesting because I talked to some young kids last week. They were like between the ages of 15 and 17 and they were intelligent. You know, they were aware of what was going on. And I was like, you know, I don't give you guys enough credit because Mm -hmm. prior to going into talking to them, because I speak to a lot of college students. So they're a little bit more mature um, and kind of have their, you know, plans and goals mapped out. But these young kids really impressed me. And I was like, you know what? I have to do a better job, like you said, of coming to where they are. Right. And really figuring out what's going to work and move the needle for them. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you think about it, in every great movement, they thought they were crazy. Right. Or I think that I think that we just live in a different time now. Um, and it's literally going to have to be new ideas. I mean, I think during that time, especially with people like Dizzy Gillespie, and um, I mean, just that age, the grandparents were different. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. family was set up a lot different. And they were coming, our grandparents and, and their parents were coming from a different social climate. And it was just a different time, you know, and it was a different appreciation and respect that they had. I think that that has gotten diluted so much, just whether it be from uh, the media. I mean, any many things dilute, you know, the painful truth that uh, our grandparents didn't, you know, let get watered down. So um, I think that it's important that, we don't let things get watered down as much as possible because you can't really accurately be yourself until you really recognize what it is that's caused you to be like you are and the people around you to be like they are. So um, I think that plays a big role, to be honest with you. I think a lot of us are acting ignorant because we don't really want to remember, you know, a lot of the, the painful things that, you know, are trying to be, you know, erased from our history. You know, Yeah, what I say when you know better, you do better, too. So, you know, I say live out loud, 
don't don't move in a spirit of fear. So often people are so much more comfortable going with the status quo than following their intuition, following their instincts, following what they know is right. Mm-hmm. So there is no one way to do it. And right. move based on your inspiration and ride with it. And I think just with social media, right, we're obsessed with timelines and likes and posts. And, and I think and I even, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I never looked at someone's timeline and thought, OK, I got to get my act together. But we don't know what that next person is going through. Right. Absolutely. So a lot of it's smoke and mirror. So what I would say is some just Instagram superstars out there. Don't absolutely. be fooled. <laughs> but even with me on a serious note, like, you know, I've struggled from depression and I've started openly talking about it. And I just see how many people I'm helping. Right. Just by being totally transparent and honest and not trying to stunt in front. Authenticity. Exactly. And I don't know how else to be in this day and age. I'm so peaceful and at a place of security in my life now. It doesn't make me any less of a person. I'm still Shanti Dodds who've accomplished whatever, whatever, whatever. But this is who I am. And if I can help save some lives, to me, that's what it's about. is enough. I feel like that's the key. But you know what, you guys? I thank you so much for being here. We're going to wind stuff up. You know, is there, please take this moment to let people know where they can follow you, learn more about you, you know, what you're working on, the whole thing. So I'll start with you, Shanti. So I am Shanti Das, S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S, 404 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always on IG trying to post some positive stuff. Um, You can get more information about my movement and my books at thehiphopprofessional.com. I'm working on a new initiative called Silence the Shame, just that, what we were talking about, to get people to pull back the layers of shame and stigma about mental health in our community. Um, but I have a lot of other things I'm working on, so uh, check me out. Absolutely. We'll have we'll have to have both of you guys back again. So I'm calling on y'all again. I'm just letting y'all know. Okay. So, Kenneth. No doubt. Yes, my Instagram and Twitter and everything is Kenneth Whalum, K-E-N-N-E-T-H-W-H-A-L-U-M. And I'm just always working on music, doing different stuff. Where are you now? Are you, are you home now? Yeah, I hit this, I'm home now. I go to St. Louis tomorrow. Oh, okay. Oh, are you, are you are you doing Chris's show in St. Louis? Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys yeah. have fun and be safe. Kenneth, I need Thank you. you I do some. Me. I need you to come talk to the kids with me, so I'm going to be calling you both up. <laughs> well, no we'll make sure that we, um, we get you in contact. And again, this is Candidly Keisha. Thank you so, so much for, for listening to us today. And uh, we'll have another amazing show for you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.